Are you ready to make your law firm a profit-generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, introducing the Profit with Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the firm differentiator 10x effect, Moshe Amsel. Hello and welcome to the Profit with Law podcast. I'm your host, Moshe Amsel. And today, this is a bonus episode with an excerpt from our Law Firm Growth Summit. Our summit is coming up. Our 2022 event is coming up December 5th to the 7th. And we want you there. Um, The Law Firm Growth Summit, if you're not familiar with it, is an event that is absolutely free to attend. It's run virtually. We do a really good job with virtual events. It's not your typical Zoom webinar. It is a a conference platform where you can come and meet other attorneys um, and uh, uh, other people who are on the same at the same level as you and collaborate with them. We give you an an opportunity to network. We give you an opportunity to connect with them. Uh, We also bring in some amazing vendors uh, and we have a vendor booth area where you can get um, access to questions that you might have for them on what their product has to offer, um, special deals that they might offer that um, is not available anywhere else. And uh, you're getting that exclusively at the Law Firm Growth Summit. Now, the real meat and potatoes of the event is the topics, the sessions. And what we did this year is we we broke up the, the tracking of those sessions into your specific uh, law firm size. So we have the startup category, which is zero to 250K in revenue. We have the expansion category, 250K to, to 2 million. And we have the legacy creator category, which is 2 million and above. And those are just guidelines, but we really tried to gear the topics to our variation of audience. We want everybody in, you know, to to be able to attend and get get value. So we don't want you to feel like, oh, this is this is beneath me or this is too too um, too advanced for me. We want you to have the right information for you. Now we have over thirty leaders and experts and influencers in the, in the industry that are going to be gracing our stage. Uh, so you want to make sure that you don't miss it. You want to go to lawfirmgrowsummit.com forward slash podcast, lawfirmgrowsummit.com forward slash podcast, and join us at the 2022 Law Firm Growth Summit. There's other exciting things going on. We're going to have some game shows, some prizes, um, and uh, other opportunities for you to to really enjoy the event um, and get the most out of it possible. On top of that, we have two amazing keynote sessions. We have Mike Michalowicz, renowned book author, um, of Profit First and Clockwork and Pumpkin Plan and Fix This Next and Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. Um, he he actually spoke last year at the 2021 event on Profit First. This year, he is not talking on Profit First, uh, but everybody loved his talk so much that I had to have him come back. And he's going to be doing a talk on uh, creating uh, a, a business that can run without you uh, based on the content of his book, Clockwork. It's going to be a great talk. You want to make sure that, you be, that you're there. And then we have Jennifer Core Guthbert. Um, and Jennifer is a rock star law firm owner out of Atlanta. She uh, owns the Atlanta personal injury firm. And she is one of only 10 women-owned business to make the Inc. 5000 list this year which is huge, um, rapidly growing firm. And she's going to be talking about how to stake your claim. 
right? Like what, like take, take what's yours, uh, you know, own the right to be successful um, and how to do it while balancing uh, your personal life in the process. She's a mom, she's got young kids. Um, how does she do it all uh, with, you know, with all of that other stuff going on without sacrificing those pieces? And um, I'm excited to have her uh, joining us as a keynote speaker as well. So some really amazing stuff going on at the Law Firm Growth Summit. Remember, registration's absolutely free. All you got to do is go to lawfirmgrowthsummit.com forward slash podcast and um, and and register and sign up. So uh, the link to that is in, in the, the description of this episode. You don't have to go far. Just go in your podcast player, click that link and go in and put in your information and make sure that you register for the event so you can join us at the 2022 Law Firm Growth Summit. But in essence, what we're doing here is we're going through a sample intake system and we're going to talk about the information that you want to provide to the client and what you can do to double your close rate, ideally automatically. So I have no software. I am software agnostic. This will work in Lawmatics. This will work in Clio Grow. This will work in Action Step. This will work in whatever system you want. And honestly, this will even work through um, Gmail if you just set up all of these things. However, I would highly suggest the more that you can automate the majority of these things, the more time you have to provide the personal touch to everything. So what we're looking at here is we're going to go over six stages. By no means am I saying that you have to have these six stages, but these tend to be the most common. So in essence, we have a lead who has not yet set a consultation. We have our consultation scheduled. Maybe that consultation needs to get uh, rescheduled. We finish the consultation. We send a contract and invoice that we want the client to sign and pay. Uh, or if you're PI, it's just a contract. And then the client hires us. So what I have here, and again, this is going to be a Word doc. You can outline this through all of your things. Um, in essence, what I have here is we go through the stage. We talk about the goal of that stage, and then we're going to go through some ideas of things to put in. So basically, at this lead stage, you are trying to get clients to set a consultation. That that is your goal here, to have clients end up booking a consultation. That could be auto-booked. That could be through a phone call. That can be something you talk to them right there. And so what we're talking about basically is who needs to do what before that contact starts. So are there any internal tasks? Uh, Sam, you're more than welcome to work it, work through it with me. Uh, like I said, I don't know how to get it to you. All I was told it would be dropped somewhere in the chat by somebody at the event, but you will. I will definitely make sure all of you get a copy of this so that you will have it. So in essence, um, you know, we've got a website form submitted, phone call, something like th those lines. Is there anything in your office that has to happen before that contact starts? That's the first question. For a lot of firms, the answer is going to be no, and that's totally fine. It's just going to be a matter of, you know, filling out a form when you make contact with the person, them filling out a form on the website, something along those lines. So during this, here's some ideas of information that you can send to people. You can talk about an intro to the firm. You can talk about why you're the best fit. You can just check in with them sporadically. You can teach them about the life cycle of a kind of case that they contacted you about. You can send some sort of lead book or e-mag e or ebook or lead magnet. Sorry. You can talk to them about what to look for in a lawyer, um, how a lawyer can help them, and checking if they do still need help. You don't have to send all these things. There can totally be a bunch more things that you can send. But these are some topic ideas at this stage to go over. In essence, from my perspective, most of your clients or potential clients want to know that they made a good decision reaching out to you, that you can help them, and what they need to do to get your help started ASAP. 
So uh, Russ, hey, there should be a link coming in the chat. That's what the people in the group said. Otherwise, I will make sure that everybody gets this Word document so you can edit this over your things. So basically, as we go through this, in essence, you can build out your things in here. So you know, what's that email going to be? Subject, preheader. What's in the body of that email? How do you? Um, how long do you want to delay it before the next contact? You can have text messages that get sent through most programs, or if you have a phone, you can send text messages yourself. And you want to do calls. Um, I'm not saying that you need to go in the email text message call order. That's just what we have in here. It's something to try to create that intake system to get people to to sign up with you. So we can you can circle back through those as many times as you want. Um, I will tell you for the more of an emergency, the kind of law that you do does, the faster you want to touch base. So for anybody doing criminal defense or personal injury or something where somebody's in pain, somebody had an accident, somebody got arrested, there's an emergency, um, a lot of family law stuff, you want to get in front of them ASAP. Call them ASAP, send them an email ASAP, send them a text ASAP for the ones that are less emergency. So estate planning, maybe title work, maybe the other half of family law, if they're considering, considering a divorce or modification down the road, you may want to stretch this out over a longer time frame so that you stay top of mind without being overly burdensome. But for um, personal injury, criminal defense, nothing wrong with every day a call, the next day an email, the next day a call, the next day a text, the next day a call, anything along those lines. There are other firms that will do uh, nine points of contact within the first 24 to 48 hours. You will upset people. You'll certainly have people that get aggravated by the amount of time you're reaching out. And guess what? They're probably not an ideal client. For the most part, though, more people are going to need you to be involved with them a lot more than you think that you need to be to get through this. So as you go through it, think about you know what information do you want to get to them and how through phone calls, through emails, through text messages. And the end result of this is going to be that the consult is booked or you've lost contact with them. They never made it through. They never booked something along those lines. So then it becomes who does what after the contact ends. And please, 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 if somebody does answer the phone and tells you stop contacting them, please have a way to stop contacting them and don't keep doing it. Leave them alone. Um, it's a really easy way to get bad reviews if you keep calling people afterwards. But for the most part, we're going to say that all of you have been very successful, that you have that consultation booked. So now the consult has been set. So we're talking about reminders for protective prospective clients during their consultation. So who does what when a consultation is booked? What does the client need to do or what does the client need to expect? So oh, I'm going to have to swap out a phone number in here. My bad. But in essence, here's, you know, it could be something as simple as this. Hello, their name. Thank you for scheduling consultation with us. Your consult's here with this attorney, something along those lines. Um, I really like when we do in-person consults or when you do in-person consults again, I really like text messaging them your office address. I'm a big fan of that. Why? Because your client has their phone. They hit the button, up pops their Maps app, and then you can go and find the address from there. It's a lot easier. Um, I've certainly seen firms send like a really long detailed directions that are basically like MapQuest for those of you old enough like me to remember MapQuest. If you text them the address, it's going to be a lot easier. Their GPS will tell them how to get to you. You don't have to worry about, you know, coming off of a highway or major road. And then basically it really boils down to what else did they need to know before that consult? You know, is there information you need from them? Is there additional, is there an additional intake form you need them to get? 
Um, something along those lines, you know, what else do they need to know before that consultation? The answer might be nothing, uh, but at the very least, I think there are some things for them to understand, you know, potentially you can't give them legal advice. You may not have discovery on the case, you know, things like that, which really you're going to get from doing this. You know, when you have clients asking the same questions over and over again at the consultation, this is a good opportunity for you to figure out what information to send to them to make sure that they, um, to make sure that they know that answer, assuming they read your stuff. The other thing that I would highly suggest during this stage, if you've got the resources is sending them a video and it's a video of the attorney that they're going to be meeting with. Maybe that's you, maybe that's not really good way to build rapport ASAP beforehand. Um, and then from there, the oops, consultation. Okay. So you're going to get people that don't show up. So you need to figure out what happens if they don't show up. And then what happens after the consultation? How do you get them to the next step? How do you get a contract and an invoice out? So I'm going to go out of order for a second. So the rescheduled consultation, this is asking them to reschedule it. If you do paid consultations, um, potentially that's something that would come up here. Did they forfeit their deposit? Or I know some firms will do a free consultation the first time, do a paid consultation on the reschedule. Totally up to you. But another opportunity to put in the information um, and then what happens when the contact ends if they don't reschedule the consultation. But again, uh, for our hypothetical person here, you have booked the consultation, they have shown up. And so what happens after the consultation ends? So again, you know, emails, maybe text messages, maybe phone calls. Um, what else do they need to know after the consultation? That's really the biggest thing there. And again, the answer may be nothing, but there may be some other information to follow up with them. Um, I've talked to a number of personal injury firms that have the client sign like an investigative um, retainer. So they're not actually on the case. They're not stuck on the case. Everybody can break it, but it gives the firm an opportunity to look at it. And then maybe the firm gets back a week later after they check medical records, or maybe it's medical malpractice and it takes several months, something along those lines. Uh, yes, yeah, someone was always shouting it last minute. Sorry, Sam, I don't know what you're in reference to. I don't know how delayed I am from you all. Um, oh, sorry. Got it. Map quest. Thank my bad. So anyway, um, and so that's something to let them know, you know, what do they have to expect? Are they expecting a contract to come immediately? Are they expecting that to take some time? Are they expecting to be your client? Something along those lines. Um, some bars, some bar associations will have some issues where you've created an attorney client relationship where one does not exist. So sometimes it's important after that consult, if you're going to turn the client down, or not accept the case, or you don't want to take it to the next step, maybe you need to send them a letter of non-engagement to let them know, to remind them of things, especially in um, civil cases, there may be a statute of limitations issue. So think about those things um, in terms of the consultation being over. Now we're going to assume that your contract and invoice went out. Please, 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 please uh, automate this process, standardize this process as much as you can. You're going to have contracts that are 80 to 90% the same for all of your clients. You're going to have an invoice, something along those lines. And yeah, Patty, that's great. Including a non-representation statement on the intake form and as they sign it, that's fantastic. Um, that's absolutely something that, that you may want to send even earlier than at the consultation, hundred percent. You want to make sure the client understands what happened, what's going to happen, what, or what, what is going to happen, what is happening and what's going to happen after that. And that's a lot of this process. And a lot of it doesn't have to be you. A lot of it can be automated. A lot of it can be a staff member or a virtual assistant, something along those lines.
but the better that communication is at the beginning, the more likely you are to not have something fall through the cracks, the more likely you are to not have some sort of issue. So here's where things change a little bit. You know, in that consultation, at the point that we were trying to get them to set a consult, you know, maybe we were talking about the benefits of a lawyer in general. We were talking about the life cycle of their case in general. We were talking about why they, the benefits of setting a consultation ASAP. Now we're talking about why they should hire you. So assume that all of your clients or all of your potential clients have met with multiple attorneys. Assume that they are going to continue looking until they make a decision and finally sign the paperwork and that they may even look after that. Um, that's not going to be the case for everybody, but if you have that mindset, that's going to help you create a much different perspective on where, um, to go through those things and where to, how to phrase those things. So a lot of clients want to know if you represent them or not want to know if you're going to be a right, the right fit, want to know that they don't need to look for other firms, something along those lines, even from booking the consultation until the consultation happening. But now that we've gotten through that, it's why they should hire you, why you should be the pick, why your firm should be the pick, why you're the best fit. One of the things that I love the most here is social proof. And so for those of you that don't know, social proof is your reviews. It is the social media proof that you do a good job. We sell a service. We don't sell a product. So you don't have case law that nobody else can file. You don't have uh, a motion that nobody else can argue. All we have is our reputation and what we have is the ability to show what we've done for prior clients. So hammer those reviews in that drip, send them, pull the best reviews. Um, if you come into my office, we have right down that hallway when you first walk in, I've got a big thing from Google. That's one of our reviews that was uh, the best attorney I've ever had on any of my cases, cases being plural, which is why I thought it was like the best line to use for it. Um, but people care about those reviews. You know, even if you even if your spouse or best friend tells you about how wonderful a restaurant is. If you're anything like me, you're still going on Yelp, you're still going on Google, you're still reading reviews from complete random strangers just to make sure that your spouse, friend, significant other, et cetera, is uh, correct. I, I don't know, I mean, this is all sort of an opinion thing. So highlight those reviews, especially at this stage. You know, one of the things that I like firms to do is something like, hey, are, you know, um, if you wanna get the same great service that Susie and John got, you wanna go with us. Here's Susie's review. Here's John's review. And I would honestly, I would screenshot these directly from the platform that they are on. I would provide a link to where they are listed. I would not make them look fancy. They will look more realistic being just a screenshot from Google um, or from Facebook or from Avo or Yelp or Apple Maps, which will start doing reviews uh, natively in a little bit. So pull that screenshot, put it in there. Talk about how your firm is different. Maybe you have a different pricing strategy. Maybe you have a different tactic on the case. Maybe you're larger and therefore have more resources. Maybe you're smaller and therefore have more personal touch. Whatever you genuinely are, you should be able to explain to the client why you are the best and why whatever it is about you and your firm is better for them. That's something to talk about now when they are making the decision on who to hire. You know, if you have, if you've handled cases like this 10,000 times, let them know. But if you're currently handling a caseload of only 20 and therefore they get more of that personal touch, let them know, you know, if they have the opportunity to work with multiple attorneys that are all experts throughout the case, because your firm is large like that, let them know the benefits of that. If it's just you, let them know the benefits of that, that whatever they call, they're not going to get passed around. It's always going to be you. You're going to be the one in court, whatever it is. And guess what? Here's the thing that I think you, a lot of attorneys lose sight of. Not everybody is going to like 
what your unique selling proposition is. And that's totally okay. That is absolutely okay. Have you been enjoying the show? We sure hope so. To make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app. Next week, we will be back with more valuable resources and ideas on how to break the mold and take your law firm to the next level.